Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Warriors 24-7 podcast. Not a solo show here today, as I am joined again by Javier Landoverde. Back in action this week as we talk Warriors and Mavericks. The last time I spoke to you was last week when the Warriors were trying to close out a Game 6 against the Memphis Grizzlies. And now they take on Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks after a Game 1 victory, a clear Game one victory in favor of the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors defense really showed up. We'll break down that that as well as Andrew Wiggins' defense on Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic struggling and also how great it has been for game ones for Jordan Poole. All of that on this episode of the Warriors 24-7 podcast. Javi, we'll let you chime in here before we have some breaking news to announce about how this podcast and how the Warriors 24-7 podcast network is going to be expanding later on. But Javi, your thoughts initially on that game one win for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, Brandon, I think all of us are surprised that we're facing the Mavericks. Uh, A lot of us really had Phoenix Suns, you know, facing us. But now with the Mavericks here, you know, it's an interesting matchup. I think a lot of people would have preferred this matchup. But Mavericks is a different team. It, the way they play, it's a little bit different than what the Warriors face. But we'll we'll break it down uh, to later of the podcast, Brandon. Yeah, great great analysis there, Javi. Yeah, uh, Chris Paul in Phoenix, man. Luka Doncic got all the one-on-one ISOs he wanted on Chris Paul. We'll get into that later and how the Warriors aren't doing that. And they're playing smart defense so far after game one. But the breaking news we wanted to announce for this podcast is that the Warriors 24-7 podcast network is expanding. This specific Warriors 24-7 podcast, Cyrus Satsas, will be coming back and hosting this podcast. But I have been given the opportunity to have my own Golden State Warriors podcast on the show after a little trial here of trying to see where things will go. They're bringing me on to host a new podcast under the Warriors 24-7 Podcast Network. I'm excited to announce that I will be hosting Strength and Numbers, a new Golden State Warriors podcast on this network, coming very soon, and it will be bigger than ever. We will bring guests and reporters and writers from the Golden State Warriors throughout the rest of these playoffs and heading into the offseason as well. And, hey, we might even have some local rappers show up. So that's a little tease for you there. Make sure you follow that new podcast on Twitter at dubs underscore strength. That's D-U-B-S underscore strength. Strength in numbers, the new podcast coming to this network. And since we're plugging everything, we got to talk about the Warriors now being the favorites right in front of the Boston Celtics to win the NBA title. And those are the betting odds. And you got to check out our sponsor to look at those betting odds, BetOnline. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. 
Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Again, it is super easy to get started. Just head to their website or use the mobile device you're listening to this podcast on and sign up using our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And looking at those odds, once again, Javi Warriors, the favorite to win the NBA title at plus 110, Celtics at plus 155, and Heat and Mavs follow at plus 600 and plus 900. And a lot of Warriors people said Warriors in six, Warriors in five. Mavericks people said Mavs in six and Mavs in seven. And you had the few saying Mavs in five. All of those those predictions are still intact. And this series is not over, even after the Warriors showed a great masterclass on Luka Doncic in game one. I'll have you talk about how the Warriors stopped Luka in game one. Yeah, Brandon. So the way the Steve Kerr approached this series, um, he compared this Dallas Mavericks team to the 2018 Houston Rockets team. Um, he even did compare Luca playing similar to a James Harden role. So the way they understand the whole system was going to be run through Luka Doncic. And I think since they already kind of prepared this previously with Houston, they, they designed the defense on him of giving him one-on-ones traps, hedges, boxing one strong side overloading. And they had primarily Andrew Wiggins as the main defender for Luka Doncic, Brandon. Yeah. And for Andrew Wiggins, man, was he great? He covered Luka Doncic a few times, all 94 feet, the length of the court. And that was something we thought, we, we thought the Warriors were going to be missing because of Gary Payton II being out. That was the job GP2 said that he wanted to guard John Morant in. And Andrew Wiggins said, um, closing out that Memphis series to Coach Mike Brown, that, hey, I'll be the guy that guards the Memphis's best player. You want me to guard him 94 feet? I'll do it. And Mike Brown was a little shocked there that, that Wiggins wanted to step up. And Wiggins, his maturity is something to be seen. We just remember earlier on in the year, Javi, where we were like, hey, we have to trade him because he doesn't want to get the vaccine. And not to get political, but that was the thoughts of a lot of Warriors people. Hey, if he doesn't want to play for our team, trade him out. Let's bring Ben Simmons in. But I am so glad that Andrew Wiggins, his unselfishness, you see it now in the playoffs, him being able to do whatever the team needs. He's bought into the Warriors system, unlike guys like last year, like Kelly Oubre or Kent Bazemore even. They were brought on, but they didn't buy into the system. Yeah, Brandon. So I like what the Warriors have been doing on the last three seasons of picking the right key players, key starters, key role players, and the way they really simplify your role. Um, You know, back when, when Andrew Wiggins was with Minnesota, there wasn't a very clear plan for him what type of player he's going to be what he needs to do on the court and so we've seen Wiggins in the past especially with Minnesota that you know they 
sometimes either he was confused that he needed to be the number one option on scoring, but they never really emphasized on defense. With the Warriors, been totally different. They have simplified his role where he focuses on the small aspects of defending, cutting to the basket, using his athleticism, shooting wide open shots. He doesn't really have to overdo it on the offensive end. And for me, he's been actually, for me, I'd probably argue that he's probably one of the top three players in the Warriors this postseason. Um, maybe that's a hot take, but for me, he's been pretty key for them on both ends of the floor, Brandon? Absolutely not. I, I would agree with you there. He is definitely a top three player so far, especially towards the end of that Memphis series. Andrew Wiggins, I could lump him up there with Kevon Looney also being a key factor. And we'll get into a little bit of Kevon a little bit later in the show. But back to the defense, you also saw um, – Kevon Looney being switched on to him in the pick and roll. And the Warriors did a great job of pre-switching early on in which, hey, Draymond would say to Steph or vice versa that, hey, you got that, man. Let's not get Dwight Powell to set the screen and have Luka matched up on Steph. And whenever that did happen, Steph would hard hedge, get over that top of the screen, tap Luka a little bit, and then get back to that original defender. And the Warriors did a great job of hedging and then, like you said, Javi, they went with a 2-3 zone, a 3-2 zone, or excuse me, a 3-2 zone, a 1-2-2 zone. And then also, whenever they threw out the box and won, it really stifled the Dallas Mavericks defense. And the Warriors are a juggernaut on the defensive end in game one. And hopefully that continues in game two when the Dallas Mavericks make adjustments. I think the most interesting stat that I saw, Javi, was one of eight. Dallas scored one of eight times whenever the Warriors threw a zone at them. Yeah, Brandon. So, you know, Dallas Mavericks, they're primarily a shooting team. They don't really have a lot of interior scoring. Um, the most of the interior scoring is either Luka down the block or or um, Brunson also down the block. Sometimes they throw some backdoor cuts or alley plays for Dwight Powell um, or anyone who's cutting in. Um, but, you know, I what I thought about the zone defense is that they're able to run out to the shooters and make Dallas play more inside. But as we know, you know, the interior defense from either Draymond Green or Wiggins or Looney, they stifle that pain as well. So it's been a really bad matchup right there for the Dallas Mavericks trying to score in this first game. And a key that I said last episode last week is that the Warriors needed to get to a fast start. And going into the series to close out game six against Memphis, the Warriors were trailing the first quarter in eight out of the ten playoff games. And they, were, they had a five and three record. And since game six, going into game six against Memphis, that record remains the same. The Warriors now, um, four more games, or four more games there, total of 12 games now the Warriors have played in this uh, playoff series the Warriors have led in only four first quarters but they did they've done so in back-to-back games in game six closing out Memphis and now in game one against the Dallas Mavericks and my key was that they had to limit those turnovers so we'll have some numbers for you here Javi in the four playoff wins for the Warriors in which they tr- they lead the first quarter it was game three at Denver they only had two turnovers Game five at home against Denver, 
three turnovers. Game six versus Memphis, the outlier there, six turnovers. But this was key. In game one against the Mavericks, only two total turnovers in the first half in the first quarter. And their first two couple possessions or their first two chances that they scored. Andrew Wiggins hit a three-pointer. And like you said, the interior wasn't there. Kevon Looney got an easy layup off of a cut. So the Warriors there limiting those turnovers have to be key going into game number two. Yeah, Brandon. So there's two key points for me uh, for this map series, how they've limited turnovers. Um, one, uh, it, I think the way the Warriors play with their motion offense, they're constantly moving the ball. It, they're prone to get more turnovers than other teams, just the way they play by design and their style. But, you know, if like um, if you guys watch the Draymond Green podcast, uh, Draymond Green has been saying that they really need to limit the the easy turnovers, those, you know, mistakes of, you know, going for that quarterback pass or just place that it's easy for the defense to pick apart. And then my other key takeaway is that this Dallas Mavericks team, it's they play very slow, Brandon. They're definitely slow. I'm not sure if they're slower than Denver in the first series, mm-hmm. but the versus Memphis, Memphis played very physical, very fast, very, very, a lot of speed to the way they play. So, for me, that Memphis series, the Warriors were going to make more turnovers. But versus the Mavs, I think they're going to take care more of the ball. Yeah, that's a great point there, Javi. And we'll get to that now. Being able to push the pace against the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks shot 11 of 48 from beyond the arc. I doubt they shoot that bad in game two. And I doubt Luka is going to have another game that he played poorly and only two points there in the second half for Luka Doncic. And we'll talk about that later on of who's going to defend Luka. But I wanted to bring up that point. You mentioned pace. The Warriors outscored them in transition points, 18 to 7. And you want to push the pace. The Warriors, the Memphis Grizzlies were a blessing in disguise, just like the entire Warriors season when players go down and get hurt, right? GPT, GP2, excuse me, goes down now in the playoffs. Andrew Wiggins takes his role and increases his role of covering all 94 feet. But to get to the point, outscoring them in transition, once you miss those long threes, Javi, you get long rebounds. And guys like Andrew Wiggins can peel off to the corner or go down and attack the rim, get fouled. And he did that in game one. Also, you got your shooters, Steph and Clay. Once this team is tired on the defensive end, those fast break opportunities are going to be there. And the Warriors are seventh in the playoffs in fast break points. While the, while the Dallas Mavericks haven't seen a team that pushes the pace because the Suns were 12th in fast break, fast break points. The Jazz were 16th in which they saw in round one for Dallas. And like you said, Dallas plays really slow hobby. They were the last in the league in the regular season in pace and They faced an eighth-in-pace team in Phoenix, but in the first round, Utah was only 23rd out of those teams in the league. Yeah, Brandon. So both teams, especially for the Mavericks, they haven't faced the Warriors um, team that played this fast. And um, just the Warriors, when they play, they push up the tempo. They they try to generate double more offensive inputs than what – other teams do and doing so I think the for me the key stats for me Brandon um especially for the Warriors um if we notice their pattern of winning games it's the rebounding uh 
you know, a lot of people thought they were going to struggle versus Memphis, Biggs, or even versus Denver with having Jokic. But in those two series, Brandon, most of the wins where the Warriors have won, they've beaten both teams on rebounding. And in the first game with the Mavs, they've out-rebounded Mavs. Um, they had 51 rebounds, and the Mavs had 35 rebounds altogether. And I think just having those options to get second-chance points from offensive rebounds is what really gets them more chances to shoot more and score more. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that point. I think it was a little bit skewed there because Dallas missed more shots Hence, more rebounds there for the Golden State Warriors. But I think the key there, like you said, is the offensive rebounds. Dallas actually had more O boards in this contest, 9-7. to And with Dwight Powell being their main center, it's going to be interesting to see if they go even smaller than that for the Dallas Mavericks. Do you bring Maxi Kleber in earlier to the game and take Dwight Powell out, you know, provide – that shooter there, sort of like Draymond Green matching up on him, have that shooter out there being able to run the floor. And we'll see. The words are obviously going to keep it the same until, it change, until things change because why fix it if it's not broke? My point here is what I'm trying to say is that the Warriors have the edge here. And, hey, Dallas are going to have to make the, uh, the chess moves in this series. So, Javi, you saw in game one Luka Doncic – played poorly. Andrew Wiggins was the primary defender for Luka there. We'll give you the stats in 10 minutes that he faced Luka Doncic for Andrew Wiggins. 12 points, though, for Luka Doncic. 4 of 10 shooting, so 40% against Wiggins, and 3 of 7 from beyond the arc. Really, really good there when you look at those numbers against Wiggins. But the key here is that Andrew Wiggins forced him into into 3 of the 6 turnovers he had for the night. And also, Luka Doncic only scored two points in the second half. Yeah, Brandon. So I think the, I don't think the Warriors have to adjust for the second game. I, they run it back, play how they want it to play. Uh, Mavericks are going to be the team that have to adjust. And it's going to be difficult, Brandon, to the Mavericks to adjust. There's not a lot of options for them, uh, whether they want to start a Maxi Kleba or um, perhaps throw in someone else in the starting rotation. But I think the way if I was um, Jason Kidd, um, just make maybe Luca not come off the ball, maybe have Jalen Brunson carry the ball and generate the offense by looking for Luca on mismatches. Um, but once again, it's it's difficult. Uh, but we don't know. You know, Luca is that special type of player. He's having this postseason. Um, and one thing for certain, the Warriors do not want to have a very close lead towards the four. You just don't know when Doncic gets ready to cook up some points. Yeah, I'm going to give Luca the benefit of the doubt here. I don't think he shoots that poorly. Um, again, Luca in game one had only – I can pull up the numbers here. Uh, he only had a total of 6 of 18 from the field, 3 of 10 from beyond the arc, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and he was a minus 30 for the team. We saw him move his shoulder there. A little bit um, got a little stinger there and then reports after the game uh, I think it was yesterday that came out that Luca was feeling feeling ill after the game uh, on Wednesday night so hopefully he comes out healthy we want a competitive series here and hopefully the Warriors can continue to throw those different defenses 
defenses on them. But I think Jason Kidd is a smart coach. He's gotten this team all the way here in him taking over the Dallas Mavericks team. Quite impressive after his tenure that didn't go as well with the New York Knicks. So Jason Kidd, of course, great player and his ability to be able to coach this team. I think they'll adjust very well. Yeah, I agree, Brandon. Uh, Jason Kidd, he's been having a good postseason. Uh, he he adjusted towards the Jazz series when Luca was out for the first two games and had Brunson and Spencer Dewindy, uh be the one-two punch. And then when Doncic Cage, they readjusted. And then towards the Phoenix series, they readjusted their defense and how Phoenix guarded uh, Luka Doncic. So it'll be interesting. I, it's kind of hard, though, Brandon, because – you know, I'm trying to see like both Phoenix and Golden State's defensive scheme. And what I noticed is that, you know, while they Mavericks try to mask, you know, Lucas defensive inabilities, um, it's it's hard because even if he tries to hedge, uh, they still find either him for mismatches or they break the Mavs defensive. Um, uh, their defense, they break them down by just having constant movement cost in motion offense and just people backdoor cuts and cutting into the basket so it's it's going to be interesting to see, to see what Jason Kidd does but uh I, I expect the second game to be a little bit much more uh more competitive than the first game Brandon I think especially too if the Warriors go box in one or play a two three zone in a zone like that the key is to attacking the middle so I know it's easier said than done but I expect if the Warriors are going to continue to hedge, maybe more double screens for Dallas, um, get one guy to go down the middle uh, like a high-low situation and be able to have that guy kick out um, um, on the perimeter for shooters to get more clean open looks. We saw Jalen Brunson miss a wide open three after multiple misses there. Multiple back-to-back offensive boards for Dallas on that one sequence, if you remember. So in order to adjust, you're going to be able to have a guy, that roller there, be able to make those passes just like Kevon Looney does for the Golden State Warriors. And Kevon Looney had a great game being able to contain Luka Doncic whenever they were switched on him. Quite impressive, actually. And the Warriors have that second defender down there in the paint to be able to back him up in case that, in case Luka or Jalen or Dinwiddie gets past him. So great defensive effort there by uh, Kevon Looney. I know he's had those past hip surgeries, and he went a perfect there, five for five for 10 points in game number one. So his offense is coming to show, and he hit that long too, Javi, throwing it back to his high school days almost or his early years with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, Brandon, Kevon Looney has been probably the most underappreciated Warrior center. I probably could argue that, that we've ever had. I I don't think we've ever really, like, we think about the last 10 years, you know, we had JaVale, Zaza, Pachulia, Andrew Bogut, Festus Azili, a ton of centers. And I think this season, especially, I think we're seeing already Kevon Looney. You know, we know Kevon is not an all-star player. He's not a offensive heavy player. But, you know, when we talk about how the Warriors, they really simplify your role and your position in the team. I think we're starting to see the Warriors get the most out of Kevon Looney as like a very super role player. You know, he doesn't really do a lot uh, of stuff where he doesn't need to. He does more of his strength. And we're seeing already Looney already learned 
how to play with the starters and how to play with different players. And, you know, I think he's been really, really such an X factor in this regular season and postseason, Brandon. Yeah, he grabbed his career playoff high too, I think, with 22 rebounds in the closeout game against the Memphis Grizzlies. And Kevon Luna, what's impressed me, like you said, his ability to be that true center for the Warriors that they haven't had arguably since Andrew Bogut or Zaza Pachulia. Um, Kevon Looney does all the things you want, being able to set screens, and he's done really well uh, being able to move fast, actually, surprisingly. You know, he's not that lob threat that we had with JaVale or Marquise Chris in the most recent years, but Kevon Looney's ability to be able to defend and move those hips still after those hip surgeries, but his ability to cut to the basket and see when it's the perfect opportunity to do so Dallas has left a lot of open space in the middle and towards the baseline because of them trying to stop, um, trap Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. And Clay had nothing going for him there in the first half, came out with 15 points there in the second half. So hopefully Clay gets on to a fast start too. But I think the Warriors are going to continue to take advantage of the cuts and open space that Dallas um, gives them, especially because Dallas. Their defense is going to tire out if the Warriors continue to push the pace in transition, especially if they continue clanking and missing those three-pointers. So take advantage of how slow Dallas is, not only offensively, but defensively when they get tired. Yeah, 100%, Brandon. I I do think uh, the question of the fact for Dallas is, uh, especially for Luka Doncic, is – you know, if they have enough ga- gas in the tank, uh, you know, it's they've been playing a lot of long playoff series, uh, especially versus Phoenix in that Game 7 series. But we'll see, uh, you know, and we saw success already with a slower team, first series versus Denver Nuggets. Uh, it was all Nikola Jokic, um, you know, as the shot creator, main primary shot creator. Mavericks are a little bit different. They have a couple other shot creators, but... You know, we'll see if Dallas can tire out and that might be an advantage to the Warriors, how they play of just picking up the pace. Picking up the pace and the guy that's quick at picking up the pace, pushing in transition, in and out moves, crossovers, putting his head down. Draymond Green leading himself on the offensive end, of course, being the quarterback of the team, but also Jordan Poole. He is amazing in the first games of these playoff series so far. And Jordan Poole came out with 19 points. 8 of 12, 1 for 4 from beyond the arc. He'll do better on that note. A plus 15 and 26 minutes off the bench. And currently in game ones, we've heard of game six, Clay. But what about game one, Pool? In game one so far, 26.7 points, 64% shooting, 52% from beyond the arc, 91% free throwing, five boards, 3.7 rebounds in 31 minutes for Jordan Pool. So you mentioned, Javi, that... Um, the Grizzlies off air were the aggressive team. Now coming here, we see it in game one. Dallas Mavericks aren't as aggressive, and this is Jordan Poole's series to take advantage of. Yeah, Brandon, uh, you know, also Dallas Mavericks, they have slow starts in their both series uh, versus the Utah and Phoenix Suns. So that'll be another key thing to look at. But for Jordan Poole, if we actually seen so far this postseason and this being his first real deep postseason run, um, I think his first, usually his first three games of the, of the series, he does pretty well. Uh, his stats are pretty impressive. 
but then towards the later end of the you know later ends of the games of the series like games you know four or five or even if it goes to six you know he kind of goes through like a little like funk like just slows down a bit i'm not sure that's something to say but um yeah Paul, he's been pretty good uh we like to see him be a little bit more consistent but we do acknowledge too that this is his real first postseason run brandon but with experience he should be getting better yeah i think that was a great point there javi you mentioned he'll get more playoff experience going on he'll continue to get better and like you said too, no Steven Adams, no Jaron Jackson Jr., no Nikola Jokic, or even DeMarcus Cousins down in the middle. It's basically Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber. They're, show, they're short here, this Dallas Mavericks team. And it's sort of like them playing small, similar to the Warriors having uh, Draymond Green. So take advantage of that. And I think also take advantage not only for Jordan Poole, but other guys in the middle. I remember specifically, there was this one play where Wiggins had an open scene down the middle. And he kicked it out to Draymond Green in the right corner. And Draymond Green uh, tried to make a corner three, of course, missed it. But my point there is that Dwight Powell does not have the length or the same build as Jaron Jackson Jr. or Steven Adams. I think there was a little bit of flashbacks there from Andrew Wiggins of the previous series. Now he needs to know that he can high fly and high rise and dunk over dudes and get to the free throw line in this series. Yeah, Brandon. Uh, yeah, I don't think the Mavericks have the same defensive personnel that um, Memphis had. Uh, I think Warriors will have definitely a much more easier chance to score, especially with no rim protection. Um, and so that's where will be hard for Dallas to adjust. Um, Dallas' main defense is trying to push out, kick out, and make sure to contain the threes. But if that's not working, Warriors could really expose them just attacking the interior, uh, we saw versus Memphis, you know, a lot of people were surprised, Brandon, but, you know, we had some games during the Memphis series where we actually had more paints on, more points on the paint than Memphis. Um, so that's something that we can really take into consideration while playing the Mavericks is expose them on the paint without no rim protection. I agree there 100%. And you said continue to play the same game for the Warriors so far as we saw in game one. What do you make of Clay Thompson being shut down there in the first quarter? Do you think Dallas can repeat that? He had a really great uh, second half, though, for uh, Clay Thompson. So I'm going to take a uh, Brandon Cadiz, uh, you know, quote that uh-huh. he's been saying about, you know, shooters. And yeah. I just got to say, Brandon, shooters shoot. And, yeah. you know, as long as the Warriors are finding wide open looks or giving Clay's the shots that he's comfortable with, he should just let it go, man. You know, continue shooting. I'm sure he's going to make some of them. I'm not really worried about Clay. Uh, you know, as long as he's get his shots, then I think he's going to make them. Um, and, you know, this Dallas team, they're not physically opposing as Memphis. So I really do think that. Thompson is going to have a better series versus the Mavericks than what he had versus Memphis. 100% there. Agree with you, Javi. He had a great second half, so hopefully he builds on it. And credit to him calling out Andrew Wiggins and giving him a shout-out, saying that they always believed in uh, Andrew Wiggins and his ability to be a great two-way player. Clay prides himself on that as well. He said himself that he needs to get – better offensively to start the game but Clay's defense 
was also there throughout the entire game. I think it was his best defensive performance, arguably, um, for a complete game for Clay Thompson since he's returned back into the, the his first playoff series since that injury. Uh, another guy I want to mention is Otto Porter Jr. finally returned, Javi. 10.6 rebounds, a plus 16 in 23 minutes. So he and Jordan Poole were the two main scorers, of course, off of the bench. Otto Porter Jr. returning into this series is really big to try to build momentum, get his threes to go down, hopefully, um, for a en- potential NBA title run. Yeah, Brandon. So Otto Porter Jr., um, he's, he's been for me when the playoffs started. I thought he would be the Warriors' key, one of the key or X-Factor players. Um He's playing different than what he usually plays in the regular season, um, and that's fine. You know, in the regular season, he was more of a shooter. Uh, but he's playing for me playoff basketball, Brandon. Uh, he's a guy that gets dirty and plays defense, uh, rebounds really well for his size, gets physical inside the paint. His shooting is not there. Hopefully he could pick it up. But for us, as long as he's putting that defensive input rebounding then I think you know Porter should be good and it seems like Kerr really does trust him um and that's the reason why he's been playing more than Jonathan Kaminga I think Kerr really wants an experienced player for the postseason Kaminga as much as we love Kaminga and he has such a bright future uh I think Kerr wants him to watch and gain experience during the postseason as he matures uh, especially that he's a young guy 19 but yeah, Otto Porter has been really good in this posing. As long as he stays healthy and they can micromanage him into the into the deep into the playoffs, uh, he's going to be a really key guy for them moving forward. I'm glad you brought that up. Jonathan Kaminga, they tried starting him, of course, two playoff games against the Grizzlies. Didn't turn out as well. And once you get deeper into the playoffs, you just play seven to eight guys, kind of like uh, Pat Riley's philosophy back in those Miami Heat days. And, you know, Jordan Poole is going to be that guy, first guy off of the bench, followed by Otto Porter Jr. And Damian Lee was the eighth guy in this game with 12 minutes off of the bench. So looking at the bench, 26 for Poole, 23 for Otto Porter, and then 12 minutes, 12 minutes for Damian Lee, excuse me. Um, Moses Moody, of course, had a great, great regular season against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I think if the series goes on clo- uh, closer than game one, I think we see more Moses Moody compared to Damian Lee because he torched and took advantage of the Dallas Mavericks there in the regular season. Yeah, Brandon, uh, especially if this series turns out to be similar to every first game and, you know, and the chances of that happening is kind of, you know, not sure yet, depends for the second game, but you probably see more, guys playing more in the garbage minutes um you know moody coming in Kaminga. you know we did see all of the bench unit come in around like the fifth or sixth minute mark of the fourth quarter and getting their minutes and open looks um but yeah i do agree you know if if dallas has no response no answer no adjustment how the warriors play the first game then this could be pretty bad for dallas you know we not sure perhaps it might be a sweep um you know we're not sure yet but it's a big task for Jason Kidd to see you know what type of adjustments he makes and also you know see some of the Dallas Mavericks player how they rebound um for the second game 
I think the Warriors, you know, they're classified as a live by, die by the three point type of team. I think that's even greater there for the Dallas Mavericks. And I don't think it's going to be a sweep or a five game series. My prediction heading into this was Warriors in six. And I think if Luka Doncic figures it out, which I think he will, it'll be a six-game series, too, similar to the Memphis Grizzlies. If it really does continue the way it is, then I could see it going to a five-game series only. I don't see it going seven, though. So I think it's either five or six. I'm going to stick with my six-game prediction. But, Javi, um, taking a look at on the Warriors' side, Steph Curry, too. We, we haven't mentioned him at all, actually. Struggling again from the free throw line, four of seven. He didn't have 21 points, had a tough first half, just like Clay Thompson. But I think this game one performance was truly a strength and numbers performance by the Warriors team. Multiple guys in double digits. The Warriors had seven guys in double figures. Yeah, Brandon. So for me, throughout the game, I kind of noticed how Wiggins started off pretty good, you know, in the beginning of the game. Uh, I thought, for most part, their defense really kept them in the game. Um, and we started slowly seeing them, um, slowly seeing the Warriors kind of carry away from Dallas. Uh, but it wasn't until the third quarter. And that's the, you know, we've been preaching the Warriors, they're the best or one of the best teams in the third quarter to close out games. Uh, we saw Steph kind of come in, started really well in that third quarter. Clay Thompson helped as well throughout the second half of that third quarter but Steph and Clay um that third or stretch where they needed you know the defense hold it up for the team and they needed that offensive push for them to take the lead and have some momentum going towards the fourth Steph and Clay provided that and then as we know that continue again in the fourth quarter and you know Dallas had to throw in the towel Brandon uh, in the fourth quarter they didn't have any answers of how the Warriors played in that first game 100% agree with you there. And also, Steph Curry, those free throws, man, that's something to keep an eye out. I hope he um, seems to make them at the pace he used to, uh, basically nearly 100%, like 95, 96 range. Um, Steph was a little frustrated there um, himself, too, after missing those free throws. And on the mic up from TNT, we saw the conversation between Dre and Steph, and Dre just told him, hey, you know, get it, get out of your head. Let's start making those shots. And I think there to close out the second quarter, hit a three, and then to open up the third, that's when Steph Curry became Steph Curry. And, hey, DeJounte Murray, I sent you that tweet, Javi. He said that Steph Curry to him is a top 10 player all the time. Yeah, Brandon. Um, and, you know, going off for both, you know, I'm not sure what his free throw reason is, why he's struggling. Um, but, you know, one thing we could probably say is this might be Steph's best postseason in terms of defense um we already have people saying you know he's a two-way player um so you know i'm not sure maybe it's just he's exerting more energy uh, on the defensive end that might have him you know kind of be missing free throws but with Toronto murray um uh yeah i kind of agree with him Uh, if you actually think about it brandon uh i don't think there's been a player that has impacted the game, um, especially for this generation as Curry. Uh, you know, when Curry was drafted by the Warriors, you know, he was in a different generation where they played different brand of basketball. And, and it wasn't until around 2012, 2013, where, you know, that's where Curry, the hype was kind of getting 
real for the media. And, and, you know, ever since the Warriors won in 2015, we've seen many teams trying to replicate their brand of basketball, whether perhaps not exactly the same, but we had the Houston with James Harden. We have even now Trey Young with the Atlanta Hawks um, or, you know, Dallas with Luka Doncic and shooters. Um, but the way he's impacted the game, uh, especially for this generation, I don't think there's been a close player that has changed the game and how young players should play the game. And yeah, he's been really good. He, he's a well-conditioned athlete. Um, and he still has a lot of years to, you know, build up on his resume. And I actually do think, you know, when he does retire, then, you know, I don't, we could start arguing that he might not be even top 10. He could probably be in that top five, but that's something, you know, that's such ahead of time yet that we haven't really, we don't know how that's going to pan out, but yeah, Curry, he's been such a good player um, for the Warriors. I agree with you there. I can't say anything else. He's, and whenever he does have a str- game that he struggles in, he makes the other players on his team better, whether it's the gravity that he causes on screens or just all the attention on him. And he makes the right passes once he's doubled. And we saw that in game number one. Javi, to close it off here, a little housekeeping stuff. Gary Payton the second and Andre Iguodala, of course, both still ruled out for tonight. GP2, though, for Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr did not rule him out if the series goes longer, that he potentially could make a comeback late in this series, though Andre Iguodala is most likely going to be out for the remainder of the conference finals. And also, GP2, a little story he penned himself on the Players' Tribune. You should go check it out from the story of when he got cut. You remember the Warriors tried to make a decision between him and Avery Bradley in the Summer League. And the Warriors initially did cut GP2, but GP2 went up to Bob Myers and told him, hey, even though I'm cut, can I just hang out, go to practice with a team and just be on this team? And GP2 himself told his agent that, hey, if anyone else calls, tell them that I want to remain on this Golden State Warriors team. You got to check out that story. Um, Javi, to close it out, let's get your prediction here between Dallas and Golden State. How long, how many games do you think it'll go to? That's tough, Brandon. Uh, this one is probably the hardest series. Uh, I think of, um, you know, kind of like the Memphis series. <clears throat> Not sure. Um, as we all know, you know, John Moran, we didn't really expect him, Moran, you know, yeah. to get that injury as well. But this Mavericks team is just so weird. It's just such a unicorn team. Uh, you know, they live and die by the three. Um, when they're making their threes, they're tough. Even, you know, I've seen enough series in the, versus them versus the Phoenix. You know, those shooters, you know, when they're they're shooting it really well, then it's just hard to close them out. Um, and also Luka Doncic, too. You don't want to have a small lead leading up to the fourth because, you know, it just takes Luka, like, a couple shots, and then he gets rolling. Uh, but for me, so hard. Uh, you know, I had six. for me. Mavs and six. I had, Warriors and six. <laughs> I had Warriors in five, but you know, and if I had to choose, you know, you know, I also had you know Mavericks in six. But you know, if <laughs> if I had to choose, I'd probably say Warriors in five. That okay. first game, you know, I just don't know if the Mavericks have 
enough depth and enough interior defense to stop the Warriors. And I just think there's mismatches problems for the Mavericks. So I'd probably say Warriors in five comfortably. Okay. Warriors in five for Javi. Warriors in six for me. A couple things to close it out. Some great stats for you Warriors fans. The Warriors currently have a 19-2 record under head coach Steve Kerr. They have not lost a Western Conference series since Steve Kerr has taken over. Of course, those two those two losses came in the finals in 2016 to Cleveland and in 2019 to the Toronto Raptors. Currently, the Warriors are, are a perfect 7-0 in the playoffs at Chase Center. And I don't think too many people know this, but if the Warriors win tonight, That'll be win number 200 for the franchise history for the Warriors. They will be the fifth franchise in NBA history to have 200 playoff wins, joining the LA Lakers, Boston Celtics, 76ers, and the San Antonio Spurs. So your thoughts there, Javi? Warriors making history here since Steve Kerr has taken over. Yeah, I mean, like we said, the Warriors, uh, this is a different team. This is a historical team uh, when it's all said and done, uh, especially for these core of Curry, Draymond, and Clay, This team is already historically great. We can also talk about Steve Kerr. I think he's already in the top five or top six winningest coach in the playoffs for his, you know, playoff run. I think perhaps I think uh, – you know, Phil Jackson, um, um, you know, Popovich, there's Pat Riley ahead of him, I think, and um, maybe one more. But I know Steve has also been building his resume. And, you know, we kind of given Steve a couple flack, you know, the last couple seasons or three seasons, but, you know, especially when everyone was injured. But I really do think he's been doing a good job this postseason, just, you know, for an offensive standpoint and defensive standpoint, they, you know, him and his coaching staff, they really have um, done a pretty great job this season uh, regarding the injuries as well. And that's why we already saw Mike Brown be hired by the Sacramento Kings, but the Warriors, they're such a historical team. um, And yeah, they've been pretty elite. Yeah. hundred percent agree with you there, Javi. Again, we forgot to mention Steph Curry did get a double double though. And, Game number one, by the way, of the rebounds. He had the most rebounds on the Warriors squad, actually. His 18th career uh, double-double for Steph Curry in the Western Conference Finals there in game number one, 21 points and 12 rebounds. Uh, That's it for today's show here on the Warriors 24-7 podcast. Got to thank Javi for coming back on and joining us. Missed him last week. Again, Follow this podcast on Twitter at Warriors247Pod. And also, again, we are expanding. If you're just joining us towards the end of this podcast, new podcast coming, Strength and Numbers, my solo show. I will be hosting it. Again, we'll have Javi on there as well as other uh, Bay Area Warriors media members. Um, We'll try to make that a guest-filled podcast coming soon. So follow that one at Dubs underscore strength d-u-b-s underscore strength thanks for tuning in to this episode and as always this show is presented by bet online thank you for listening to believe 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.